Welcome to the Misha Rouser Show. I'm Misha, an organizational psychologist, and I'll be taking you down a path towards achieving professional success while still having fun. For over a decade, I have been guiding individuals and organizations through professional transitions. The goal is to help you, your business, or organization create a successful, engaging atmosphere without sacrificing a positive culture. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I am Misha, and welcome to my show, and thank you so much for listening. Again, this show is all about leadership and professional development, and today we are going to go into decision-making, and more so, what are some of those errors that we make in decision-making? Before we jump into that, I do want to open it up again. If anybody does have any questions and they would like to call in, that phone number, Benny? 425 Three seven three five five two seven or triple eight two nine eight five five six nine. Awesome! And how are you doing, Vinny? Doing very, very well. Nice. Another day upon us. I know. Wrapping up for an awesome weekend. We are. We're looking forward to yep. it. A lot of us need a break around here. Yeah. Breaks are always a good thing. Right. Well, and Mercury in retrograde finally ended too. I think so. That's going to be a great thing for me, especially. Oh, can't <laughs> all that stuff, man. All thank right. You, thank you for being done. So now we all know that whatever funkiness was going on is going to go away. That should be already. Woo-hoo! Away. We're excited. Tapping on wood here. All right. <laughs> so today I do have uh, this was a hard one to do. I had this topic is really huge, and I had to narrow it down. And then I had to think about okay, do I keep it into you know break it into multiple shows? And I realized mm, no, I'm going to squish as much as I can in. That's just kind of the way I am. I'd like to get as much information as possible when I'm listening to things like this. So that's what I'm going to be giving to you. So with that being said, please keep in mind that this show is recorded. So you can always download it and listen to it again and again. And I am also working on doing transcripts for all the shows as well. So a transcript would shortly be following. So again, you can get that information by going to my website, which is MishaRouser.com. That's M-E-I-S-H-A-R-O-U-S-E-R. So a couple things on that website. One, that's where you can always go to click to listen live. If you're not in the Seattle area, you can listen to us live every Tuesday morning at 930. You could also go and download any past shows and sign up for an RSS feed. And in fact, if you do listen to this as um, through iTunes or Stitchers or something, it would be really great if you could take a few moments to rank those. Um, as you know, then that would raise the visibility of the show to other people, which would be fabulous. And then the other thing you can get from the website is also the resources. And in fact, if there is something that I mentioned on the air of a resource and you went to my site to try to find, just email me. I've had a couple of you do that. And you can email me just through my website. Go to contact me. You can send me questions there. Ask for, hey, you were talking about this particular resource. And I'll send it right to you. Because um, I know my website's a little behind in getting caught up. So please use my, re- my website as that resource. Please feel free to contact me there. All right. So with all of that being said, we are going to jump into it then. So like I said, a lot of information today. And where we're going to start when we're thinking about decision making is we're going to go into the research behind it. And we're, we're first going to look at what's happening with your brain. And then what are some of those biases and those things that we do that can sabotage our ability to make good decisions? And then what can we do to help ensure that we make better decisions? So we're going to start first off with um, the wonderful research that was done by Daniel Kahneman, a professor um, at Princeton, a Nobel laureate in economics, and his partner, Amos Tversky, is a cognitive and mathematical was a cognitive and mathematical psychologist and cognitive scientist. And between the two of them, 
they have a history of researching when economics would say, oh, people, you know, decide and think rationally. They came back and said, no, not really. Um, So they really started opening up the field of what a lot of economists and psychologists will, will refer to is bonded rationality. So basically what that means is that it's the idea that our decision-making, the rationality of, deci- of individuals is limited by the information we have and, and the cognitive limitations of our mind and the finite amount of time that we have to make a decision. And so one of the big things that they did is they used a metaphor of, to look at decision-making, thinking of system one and system two. And you can find all this information, by the way, in the book by Daniel Kahneman, that is called Thinking Fast and Slow. And by it's a huge book. It's like 400 pages. It's really thick, fabulous information, but it is a bit of a, a kind of a slodge to get through it. But what he's talking about with these metaphors, system one is the fast. That's where it's a lot of intuition when we are making decisions. It's involuntary. A lot of the things that we're um, doing in our day-to-day comes from system one. It's effortless. It's um, basically our innate skills. Some of the things that we're really good at just naturally come to us. It's reflective and so forth. Whereas in system two is when we have to really stop and think about something. So when we have to be more patient, when we have to concentrate, even if we're um, exerting ourselves physically, then that second system comes in and really starts to kick in gear. And so what they're trying to do is there's two things that are going on here. That system one will quickly make these like intuitive decisions and make these types of decisions based on what we know and what we have done in the past on system two. And so between both systems, there can be some biases. And so the big thing that we want to keep in mind um, that these two researchers have found is a lot of our decision making is around, he, he quotes this, what you see is all there is. We tend to just make decisions on what's in front of us. In fact, I was talking to a colleague of mine yesterday about the show and what we're going to be talking about today, and he was asking me, so it is it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. I'm like, definitely. And then that's where we can tend to make bad decisions. Okay, so going back to the brain then. So the brain, when it's making decisions, pulls from all these different resources within the brain, everything from the limbic and the animal, reptilian brain, the amygdala, the hippocampus, and so forth. But the, what we want to focus on is the prefrontal cortex. That's the section of your brain, you know, right behind your forehead. It is the part that helps us with thinking like decision-making and regulating our behavior. And so our ability to make good decisions decreases when this area of our brain is taxed. So the prefrontal cortex can get, in other words, exhausted and overused, and then, boom, we're no longer making good decisions. But now a lot of research are saying that this area of the brain is just like a physical muscle, We can train it, we can rest it, and so forth. And how we um, kind of work with it and condition it and strengthen it is then what's going to help us also with our decision-making process. So now keeping on that vein really quickly then, so what are some things that we do know that can help in our physical abilities to be able to make better decisions? In other words, how can we ensure that that prefrontal cortex is ready to go? So a couple things that research has found is one is we want to make sure and reduce our stress. Because whenever we are in a stressful mode or under high stress, then that means our body body's energy is being used up in activity that requires that prefrontal cortex and it starts to tax it. So our prefrontal cortex then is um, basically, uh, it can get exhausted 
and they were not using as as we're not doing as well in making our decision making. Um, and we also got to keep it healthy. So one thing when you're feeling yourself stressed is start really to think about what are some stress management techniques just throughout the day. And it could be anything as just stopping and taking a few deep breaths. Okay, the next thing that that prefrontal cortex needs is sleep. It is amazing how sleep-deprived we are as Americans. Um, so, for example, a quote from Kelly McGonigal, who's a Ph.D. at Stanford and a health psychologist, um, she's saying that sleep deprivation, even getting less than six hours a night, is a kind of chronic stress that impairs how the body and brain use energy. So, again, we're just if we aren't getting enough sleep, we're already behind our game. There was another researcher, Daniel Cripple, who... Um, I'm not saying that right, Kripp, Kripke, sorry, who is a Harvard graduate and a professor at University of Southern, of Southern of, of California, San Diego. And he does a ton of research within sleep. And he was even saying that, you know, the benefits also of, of sleep is if we could get at least between 6.5 and 7.5 hours a night, then not only are we more cognitively aware, but we actually live longer and are happier and are more productive. Okay, so get more sleep. The other thing that they have found that can help the prefrontal cortex is meditation. Um, basically, just even taking five minutes to try to quiet all the static in the mind, just trying to calm it down, that can be hugely impactful, which also leads into a little bit of the next one is regular exercise. So what was interesting is they have even found when they're talking about exercise, um, you can even do kind of like kill two birds with one stone and go do some mindfulness yoga just the activity, the mindfulness, and then the physical activity that is in yoga, even though it's more um, subdued, has been proven to be beneficial. And then, of course, there's always you know other types of physical activity. And then the last part, of course, is good nutrition. You really got to watch what you eat. I mean, so it's as simple as eating more plant-based foods, less processed diet can help make a huge difference in our energy. Okay, so keep those things in mind, stress management, sleep, meditation, regular exercise, and good nutrition. That's going to help at least get your brain to be able to even think and be healthy to be able to help make good decisions. Okay, so now let's go into some of the um, things that our brain does to sabotage our own decision-making abilities. So there's like, and um, in the book, Thinking Slow and Fast, there's almost 30 different type of heuristics that are fallacies in the way we make decisions. And unfortunately, I just had to pull out a few. So I, I'm going to highlight really quickly some that I think we do a lot of and don't even really pay attention or catch ourselves to it. The big one is hindsight bias. So this one is causes you to distort reality by realigning your memories of events to drive with new or to, you know, to drive with new information. So for example, imagine yourself before a football game between two teams that have the same record of wins and losses, okay? You're thinking it's going to be a pretty good matchup. Now the game is over, and one team totally trashed the other team. In your revised model of the world, the winning team is much stronger than the loser team, than the loser. And your view of the past as well as the future has now been altered by that perception. I mean, a lot of us do that. We do that all the time. So here, and here's what's also interesting, is that they have found that once you adapt a new view of the world or any part of it, you immediately lose much of your ability to recall what you used or what you believed in before you changed your mind. Okay, so now let's look at how this also plays in. So not only do we change our stories, and we almost forget what our views are. I think politics, okay, we're not going to go there, but 
maybe that is leading into why some people change their views. But the hindsight is especially unkind to decision makers. So leaders, CEOs, and so forth, physicians, because what we do as a society, as leaders who have been lucky, are never punished usually for having taken too much risk. Instead, they are believed to have had you know, a flair, a foresight to anticipate the success. And then we judge, you know, then we have this, we think about the sensible people who doubted them as seen, are seen as, you know, in hindsight as being me- mediocre, timid, or weak. So we tend to create up or um, um, build up some of these leaders who have made rash decisions and it happened to work. Whereas then we also, on the opposite side, a lot of leaders are making amazing decisions all the time. But it just seems like status quo because it wasn't out of the ordinary. So we don't we don't change our opinions of them. Um, so anyway, it's just interesting how that one can come in and cause us to reinterpret how we're looking at people. All right. So I'm going to go into the others and then um, go into a couple more and then talk about so what can we do to help make better decisions um, right after we take this quick break. So, again, you're listening to The Misha Rouser Show and we'll be right back. Dynamic careers in organizations require dynamic thinking. Success is measured in terms of positive, productive, meaningful workplaces. Misha Rouser, master coach, organizational psychologist, and successful entrepreneur, has helped thousands become more confident in their leadership and professional abilities. Misha's years of research and private practice have given her the tools to help you or your organization improve performance. Log on now to learn more about coaching, consulting, or training with Misha Rouser at MishaRouser.com. That's M-E-I-S-H-A-R-O-U-S-E-R.com. Hello, my name is Marie Manucheri. I'm an energy intuitive author and host of Where Energy and Medicine Meet. During the show, I answer callers' questions, intuitively, of course, and provide invaluable guidance. I also interview others who I believe are on the leading edge of thought. Tune in on Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on 1150 a.m. in Seattle or live wherever you are at energyintuitive.com. So effective leadership isn't something that just happens. It takes time and effort. Misha Rouser, master coach, organizational psychologist, and successful entrepreneur, has developed a concentrated series of courses to help you become your best as a leader and professional. Explore your leadership style, become a communications master, and learn to plan strategically in order to make better decisions. You'll learn emotional intelligence, team building, change management, and other skills for personal success, such as conflict resolution. There's a great leader inside you to be unlocked. Make the commitment to become a well-rounded, intelligent leader. Show the world around you that you are ready to lead. Log on to MishaRouser.com. That's MishaRouser.com to learn more. It's the Leadership Development Series. Your first step toward professional excellence begins at MishaRouser.com. 1150KKNW.com. It's why they invented the Internet. We think. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM.
All right. Welcome back to the Misha Rouser Show. And today we're talking about decision making. So in the first part of the show, we talked about um, how our brain makes decisions, what we need to do to kind of make sure that our brain is at full capacity, ready to go. And then we're going to get in now what we're getting into then. Okay, well, what are some of those biases that we make, some of those um, faults in our decision making process? Uh, We talked about hindsight bias. And now I'm also going to go into Causal interpretations. So again, we love as human beings, we're, we're problem solving creatures. And so we love to look at like cause and effect type of thing. And so we will sometimes erroneously co- um, attach cause and effect to something. So using causal interpretations to random events versus understanding the regression to the mean over time that we tend to think um, to, to think incorrectly. So in other words, like if this is a great analogy of this one is sports. When we say, you know, a, a sports player is on a winning streak or a team or a player and, you know, and they're just on fire. Well, we tend to, you know, wonder how long will the streak last, that there's something lucky about them. And really what's happening, too, is we're trying to identify, OK, there's this this there is something that's happening, but it's just random a lot of times. And then they're going to go back. And that's when then they go into the slump. And we have even terms for that. And so it's understanding that a lot of times there we are trying to find cause and effect. And a lot, a lot of times it's just cyclical because for a lot of events, it's, they, it's almost always going to return to a mean or an average. Um, so, you know, so looking at patterns and so forth, that's one of the things that we tend to do. Another error that we tend to make is a lot of you might have heard of this one is the halo effect. Um, so if you have, like, for example, um, the halo effect is you go on basically someone's opinion, and your system one way of thinking will then fill in what you don't know. So, for example, if an athlete is good-looking, you'll assume he or she is probably skilled as well. This is why first impressions can really influence our opinions when hiring people. Strong first impressions on how they look can bias us during the interview. So we really got to watch that, too. Um, Okay, and then another bias is the expert's bias. This one I definitely want to... make sure and touch on because this one can also explain when do we want to use intuition and not. So expertise relies on an individual skill. Okay. And in this case, they're looking at feedback and practice. So for example, firefighters, repeated practice in what they practice repeatedly weighing the risks posed on specific types of fires and their experience then in extinguishing those fly- fires gives them an impressive ability to read a situation intuitively to identify critical patterns. That could be like even pilots, why they're in front of fight, um, flight simulators. It's a constant feedback and practice, feedback and practice, so that when they get into a situation, then it, they can more intuitively pick up on what's the best thing to do. Okay, same thing with like anesthesiologists. They rely on regular, immediate medical feedback to keep a patient safe during surgery. But now here's the thing. So don't put too much trust in, in the judgment of experts in fields where, one, their field changes greatly, um, two, where maybe luck determines success, or three, where, t- where there's too big of a gap between the action and feedback. An example of that could be those who predict stock values and political contests, for instance. There's, you know, so we, we tend to give too much expert, you know, um, expert bias to some people where really the feedback and, and practice or um, the changes are too huge that it doesn't apply. Okay, but now going back to 
okay, but what about yourself and intuitively? So you want to be thinking about um, your ability to be able to make those intuitive decisions. And here's what kind of happens here is we tend to view our own abilities more favorably than they truly are. So, for example, we'll set goals that are a little more, you know, kind of higher for us. Um, we are so confident in the story sometimes that we tell ourselves um, that it easily comes to mind. And then with no contradiction and no competing scenario, we tend to kind of get really confident then on what the decision is that we're making. So what we want to do is when we're thinking about the bias then is, again, you need to ask yourself, do I really have a lot of experience in this to be able to listen to my intuition is one side of it. And two, does the person I'm giving a lot of credibility to, do they have a lot of experience in this and in a very valid way? Okay, so now that we know some of our biases, so what do we need to do to become a better decision maker? All right, so one, we tend to be overconfident, so keep that in mind. We seek out information that supports us, but then we'll sometimes downplay that information if it doesn't support us. Um, And we can also get distracted by short-term emotions. So let's talk about that a little bit more. So what's really good decision makers or people who are really in high-stake positions and are having to make decisions, some of the things that they do is they will turn small decisions into routines. An example of that, Steve Jobs. Have you ever seen him in anything but a black turtleneck? So one of the reasons he wears a black turtleneck, he has hundreds of them probably, or he had, because he didn't want to make a decision on what to wear. Obama, um, President Obama, he was even quoted saying, you'll, you'll see I wear only gray and blue suits. I'm trying to pare down decisions. I don't want to make a decision about what I'm eating or wearing because I have too many other decisions to make. So again, you want to start thinking about how can you retu- routinize Some of those um, smaller decisions so you're not taxing that prefrontal cortex. It could be as simple as setting out your clothes the night before, getting, you know, before you go to work and getting your lunch together and so forth. With that being said, too, then also experts say make those big decisions in the morning when your prefrontal cortex is fresh and ready to go. Save the smaller decisions for later, you know, after work. All right. Then the other thing we want to be thinking about when we're trying to make better decisions is also, again, trying to not tax our prefrontal cortex is when we get really wrapped up in a decision, a lot of successful people will weigh their options against a predetermined set of criteria because they know that this will make decision making easier and more effective for them. It could be as simple as something as just remembering, you know, who, what, where, when, and how, you know, who is the best person to make this decision? Isn't me right now. Um, What is, what is the decision? What are the things that I'm missing? How will I know how others are going to be affected? Just going through a process like that can help you ensure that you're thinking through all the different aspects. And in fact, another example is um, one unpleasant type of common decision is for a lot of leaders and managers is budget cuts. Well, how cool would it be if the wisest minds in your organization came together with a list of ready-made questions that will help address the issue around budget cutting. So, for example, have you exhausted other possible sources of income that might relieve the need for, for cutting the budget? Um, another tip might be resist the urge to cut everything by a fixed amount. Think about ways to be more strategic with the cuts. Could you cut deeper than you need to in order to free up funds to invest in new and exciting opportunities? Anyway, just trying to find some type of routine that you can go through when making those larger decisions. Okay, so that was talking about um, how to make decisions. The other thing we need to really think about, too, when we're talking about that is then the data that we're receiving. 
So sometimes when we are making decisions, we it's too much, either too much data or not enough data. And so when we are talking about too much data, remember that your mind can only process about five to seven things at a time. And if you have more than that, that you're dealing with more information, see if you can chunk it down into groups of seven or less, ideally around three or four. Now, on the opposite side, it could be too much data that you're receiving. And so when you, uh, I'm sorry, that's not enough data that you're receiving. And when that's the case, then what you want to try to do is expand and think about, okay, what other options are we missing? And try to get out of our very limited frame. Um, Okay, so when we're thinking about that, one way, a, a little trick about thinking about options is make sure, you, if you can, to have at least three options. So, for example, a lot of times we tend to think about decisions of being this or that. This is, it's either a yes or a no. Well, now you only have really two options. See if you can expand it to at least three. And by the way, the yes and no is considered one option. Yes isn't one and no isn't a second. So let's say, for example, um, you're trying to figure out how to reduce, um, you're having parking issues at your organization. And so you're, you're questioning, okay, should we build a parking garage? Well, that should just be, that shouldn't be the only question you're asking. And a lot of times that's all we'll think about. Instead, think about what else could we be doing? Okay, so should we build a parking garage? Yes or no, that's one option. Um, should we purchase bus passes for our employees? Maybe that's another option. Maybe we could give employees the option to work from home once a week. So see how now that starts to open up other options? And the more options that are have solid data with them and solid um, information actually has been shown to um, be almost like six times more effective than if we only have one option of yes or no. Okay, so then another thing we want to think about. So that was thinking about data. Another one is our emotions then and where our emotions play in. So, again, researchers have speculated that when the brain is not preoccupied um, with managing a person's emotional life, it is easier for them to solve problems. So as one, as you all know, if you're really upset or overwhelmed, it's probably not a good time to make a decision. So give yourself some space. Let that emotion, you know, kind of settle. Two, it's also interesting that research has also shown that 36% of us don't even accurately identify our emotions. So if we don't really understand what our emotions are, then they are going to influence our decision-making. Okay, so we need to think about our own emotions and are we in the right frame of mind. So the last thing to think about then when you are um, coming up with decisions is you want to think about the data, the emotions, our overconfidence too. We tend to over, you know, think we have the expertise and we become too overconfident in our decision-making processes. So again, that was a lot of information, but I will summarize all of this and it will be up on the website and also we'll send you some great resources on the website if you want to research some of this even more. So everybody, thank you again so much for listening. I am Misha and um, real quick, I think I have time. Just wanted to make sure and give the website MishaBrowser.com. And again, thank you so much for living, for listening and have a fabulous day. Thank you for listening to the Misha Rouser Show on Alternative Talk 1150. Join Misha every week, Tuesdays, 9.30 to 10 a.m., as she takes you down a path toward achieving professional success while still having fun. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your colleagues. Misha helps people and organizations be successful, all while staying on a positive path. Tune in next week for the Misha Rouser Show.